Welcome to the Alcorn Orlando Sermon Podcast. We exist to help people grow in Christ, share the gospel, and serve the community. Thank you so much for tuning in, and we hope you enjoy today's message. It says this, The word of the Lord came to me, Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to them, This is what the Sovereign Lord says. Woe to you, shepherds of Israel, who only take care of yourselves. Should not shepherds take care of the flock? You eat the curds, clothe yourselves with the wool, and slaughter the choice animals, but you do not take care of the flock. You have not strengthened the weak or healed the sick or bound up the injured. You have not brought back the strays or searched for the lost. You have ruled them harshly and brutally. So they were scattered because there was no shepherd. And when they were scattered, they became food for all the wild animals. My sheep wandered all over the mountains and on every high hill. They were scattered over the whole earth, and no one searched or looked for them. This is the word of the Lord for his people this morning. You can be seated. And as you're seated, I'll pray for us. Lord, it's such a gift to gather with your people uh, each Lord's Day, each Sunday, where we come and we sing together and we pray together and we remember brothers and sisters who are uh, not here for some reason, not doing well, have lost a loved one, whatever it might be. So we gather to not only um, pray and to ask for comfort and to comfort others, but also to rejoice. Um, because as the text says today, there's, there's a shepherd problem, and yet there's a, a Jesus answer that we're uh, so delighted to have. So God, would you um, comfort us today uh, with the words from this book of Ezekiel? Um, whatever is of me, Lord, I pray that it would fall to the ground, but whatever is of you, we know full well that it'll stand. And so we're glad for that. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Well, good morning. Um, as Pastor John said, I'm, I'm a friend, but also a fellow pastor here in Orlando. My name's Tanner. Um, I have, I, I haven't been with y'all in a little bit. Um, I think the last time I was here, I had one kid. So now I have two kids, um, which made me, thank you. Yeah. Yeah. If I look tired, it's because I am. Um, our kids are learning how to sleep. I didn't realize you had to teach things to do that. I just thought everyone knew how to do that, but um, we're, we're, they're learning slowly. Um, but yeah, so glad. The, both the boys have an ear infection this week, so that's why they're not here um, with us. And my family, my wife Ashley, would have loved to have been here because um, I always love being here and worshiping with y'all. It's such a, a gift of a community. Uh, but yeah, so two kids. I still work at First Pres. I'm coming up on 10 years here in Orlando, um, which has been a real gift. We love this community. Um, and this is actually a sermon that I got to share with my congregation a few weeks back um, and one that felt appropriate in terms of what Pastor John wanted me to preach on this morning. And so um, at First Pres, we were in a, a sermon series on um, Jesus in the Old Testament. And you might think, how's that possible? He, he wasn't born yet, right? But uh, the Old Testament is all sorts of pictures and stories. Uh, we like to call them like whispers of who Jesus will be. And so in this text, Ezekiel 34, what you have is a, a picture of Israel in a really hard spot, but also um, the end of this text, which I didn't read because it's like 30 some verses, and I thought I shouldn't put you to sleep before I get going. Um, so it's, it's a picture of who Jesus will be, the Messiah, uh, the coming one of God. So we'll talk about that a little bit this morning as well. Um, but it's also a, a picture that reminds us of sheep. And so how many of you have social media? A few of you? Of course, of course you do. Um, See, so how many of you are familiar with some of the funnier sheep videos on social media? Ever seen any of these? Yeah, if you want to go down like a rabbit hole, just 
Google like dumb sheep and you will find like a lot of great things. One of my favorite sheep stories, I have like a lot of favorite sheep stories. One of my favorite sheep stories is uh, of this woman who was out on a regular run um, through the countryside and just wanted to be alone and get her exercise and whatever else. And as she's going, she comes across some sheep, a flock, if you will. And they look around and there must have been one or two of them that thought that looks a little bit like our shepherd. And so this flock of sheep just start following this poor woman on the rest of her run. I'm not kidding. Y'all seen, anyone seen this? Yes, you see how this post? She just keeps going, and there are like 50 sheep following her nonstop. They don't know where they're going. They're, they're, do you know that sheep are dumb animals? They are dumb animals. They're just following. They're like, I don't know. It looks human-like, probably our shepherd. Let's just keep following, see where it leads. Finally, another woman is watching this happen. This woman's running by, and this other woman starts videoing. It's like, this is the craziest thing in the whole world. And sure enough, the runner led these sheep astray by like a couple miles, right? Because she was just out on a run. Couldn't get them to stop following her, in fact. She couldn't do anything to scare them off. They were so locked in, so Dumb. So it's never the best thing to show up to a church and tell a bunch of people, hey, you look like sheep to me. <laughs> but maybe it is the best thing for me to do because I get to leave. Pastor John has to say, you know, week over week. But we are going to find out that, um, that God likens us to sheep a little bit too. And after I preached this at my church, um, a young boy, he's about six years old, came up to me after the sermon and he said, listen, Pastor Tanner, I'm not dumb. I'm not a sheep. I'm not dumb. And so I realize that maybe I'm bringing something that could be relatively offensive in some sense. Um, but what I hope for us to see is not only that we are sheep-like, sheep-ish uh, in certain ways, but truthfully, um, it's, it's actually not the worst thing in the world to be that way, particularly if you have a really good shepherd. So I'm hoping that what we'll find today is the picture of a shepherd is a great gift to us, And then also understanding ourselves as sheep will be more of a gift than it is uh, a put down by the end of this. Does that make sense? Okay, so let's jump uh, back into the text then. What we have in the beginning of this text in Ezekiel 34, and if you haven't spent time in Ezekiel, it's, it's such a gift. It's so full of, of pictures and metaphors and stories that help us understand who God is and who we are in ways that are, are just beautiful and wonder. You know, there's certain people can just kind of give you the facts, and then there are people who write, and they give you uh, they give you imagery and, and story and imagination that just enlivens your heart. And Ezekiel has that over and over and over again, that the Lord's revealing himself through metaphor. And it's, it's so fun because metaphor is, story is kind of like the language of our hearts, right? Like, why do people binge next? like binge Netflix shows and, and all sorts of stuff. Because they love story. We love getting wrapped up in a good story. We love being pulled out of our own life and put into another one. And it lowers our defenses and helps us see things we couldn't have seen. And so God's constantly kind of condescending and giving his people stories that they might understand. And this group of people, a lot of them would have been responsible for sheep, right? They would have been shepherd type people. That, that's like their daily rhythm and their daily job. So to give them a metaphor of shepherding would have been unbelievably helpful for them understanding who they are and who God is, right? But the picture we have to start in Ezekiel 34 is actually a picture that is devastating. So back to the text, <clears throat> verse 2, son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to them, 
This is what the sovereign Lord says to you. Woe to you, shepherds of Israel, who only take care of yourselves. Should not shepherds take care of the flock? You eat curds and clothe yourself with the wool and slaughter the choice animals, but you do not take care of the flock. You have not strengthened the weak or healed the sick or bound up the injured. You have not brought back the strays or searched for the lost. You have ruled them harshly and brutally so that they were scattered because there was no shepherd. And when they were scattered, they became food for all the wild animals. My sheep wandered all over the mountains and on every high hill. They were scattered over the whole earth and no one searched or looked for them. So this sermon is like a little bit about leadership and then it's also about um, the good news of Jesus. But let's start with this leadership bit. This is terrible leadership. It's miserable. These leaders are acting in one of two ways. And truthfully, you've probably had these experiences of being led in one of these two ways. The first way is brutal and objectifying. The first way is taking full advantage of whatever is under your leadership and using it until it's all used up. Do you hear what he's saying here? They, they were supposed to be shepherding the flock and instead they ate them. Now that's one thing when you're talking about sheep because have you guys ever had sheep? It's actually kind of good. <laughs> Sometimes we eat it. <laughs> But remember, this is a metaphor. This is a picture of what's going on and what's happening to people. Now, Israel was not known for cannibalism per se, but to chew up and spit out that which they were supposed to be leading and instead use it for their own gain and their own goodness. That's wrong. And any of you sitting in this room and have had leaders this way, It's the kind of leader you want to rage against. It's the kind of leader where you look around and what they're doing is devouring your peers for their own goodness, right? Because they're full of selfishness. That's where this whole thing starts. This is what the sovereign Lord says, woe to you shepherds of Israel who only take care of yourselves. As a practical way of viewing this, leadership is never, never meant to be structured for the sake of the leader. It's not. I don't care if it's the church. I don't care if it's your business. I don't care. Actually, I really care if it's your family. If you are taking that as a, a role in your family to create a family that is all about you, you are failing leadership. That is not what it's for. Leadership is for the sake of all the things you're leading. Leadership is a dual purpose of loving and serving all that you are leading and taking them somewhere to green pastures, to still waters, to restore the souls. That's what leadership is for. So on the one hand, the leaders are being brutal, and it's devastating. It's literally costing the lives of the sheep. And on the other hand, the only thing that might be worse is apathy. The only thing that might be worse is to be absent, non-existent, don't show up, don't care. So to be over-involved and objectifying and brutalizing the things that you're meant to be leading is horrible and wrong. And to be completely absent is also terrible. Have you had a leader like that in your life? 
the one that acts like his, uh, you know, the way that he's not going to necessarily uh, micromanage you is a real gift, but you've also like never had a one-on-one meeting with this person, and you're like, I don't even know if they know I exist. I went on vacation for two weeks, and they had no idea, and I put it in the system. <laughs> I already mentioned this a little bit, but maybe of you are thinking about your workplaces. If so, I'm, I'm sorry. Maybe some of you are thinking about your own leadership right now. And maybe I'm probably just glad that maybe the Lord's going to like speak something to that right now. But when I read this text and when I think about leadership, I think a lot about family. And whether we've experienced this in the workplace or not, there are probably family systems in which we have had parents or leaders of our family who have done one or the other. Used the system for selfish gain or have been absent from the system. And essentially, that's another venue of selfish gain. If I don't have to have responsibility, if I don't have to show up, if I don't have to be needed, I can be gone. And these wounds can run deep, folks. These are the kind of wounds that shape us for a lifetime. These are the kind of wounds that repeat themselves if we're not careful. You ever heard that saying, hurt people hurt people? You think it's true? Yeah. And you know what? It's super easy to notice it in other people, and it's super hard to notice it in yourself. It's so easy to objectively look from the outside and be like, that guy is absent. That guy is brutal. But to ask of ourselves, who am I? What do I tend to? I just had my, my wife had our second kid. I didn't do much. (laughs) And you know what breaks my heart? is that I've seen myself tending towards absent more than I ever would have dreamed. That I find myself finding things that I'd like to do more than being home and leading my boys and my wife. And I rage against it, and my wife rages against it. She doesn't put up with that crap. Can I say crap? Sorry. She points it out. You know, the, the worst, the, the, the easiest way to do it is my phone. I can be absent in a half second. I don't even have to leave the house. I just disappear into some scrolling or garbage. And she's like, hey, you know who else doesn't put up with it? My two-year-old. <laughs> I'm up early the other morning trying to do some emails because... I don't know why, right? It's like 7 a.m. and he's playing in the living room and he takes, I've got my laptop on my lap and he's super into dinosaurs right now, which are very loud animals, if you didn't know this. And he brings over his T-Rex, right? Real big one. I don't know who bought it for him. It's very hard, right? It needs to be a stuffed animal. It's very hard. And he slams it on my laptop. (laughs) It says, Dad, at play. And after I got over a brief second of anger about whether or not my laptop was still functioning, (laughs) it was a really good call to say, Dad, stop being absent. I'm your son, and I want your attention. 
And is there anything more important in my life right now than my two-year-old's attention? There shouldn't be, but I act like there is. Friends, this sort of leadership is not for the particularly evil humans. <laughs> it, it certainly shows up in that way often, but it's for the regular Joe Schmoes like me and you who think, oh, that could never be us. Or I noticed it so well in my family that I would never repeat those mistakes. But guess what? If there was a place in which my family kind of had some of that going on, it was certainly more absent than it was objective. And so the sins of my past are showing up again and again, and I've got to pay attention. Because if I blink, I'll miss it. If I blink, I'll miss my boys growing up. If I blink, I'll miss all the opportunities I had to love and serve my wife in some of the, I don't know if these are the hardest years of our lives, but it certainly feels sort of hard. So the whole no sleeping thing, I mean, goodness, why, Lord, will you forget me forever? Will my tears be my food night and day, right? Like, how in the world are we supposed to function without sleep? I don't know. So leadership shows up like that in certain places. And we might say, hey, well, if the real problem is leadership, then, you know, forget them. We don't need leaders. We can go about our lives and just do whatever we want. Do you think that'll work? What do you think? No. The problem is we're still sheep. So we come back to this text and we're wrestling with it, the idea of we have terrible leaders and we also have these, this idea of sheep, we being the sheep. And what are sheep? They are classically dumb. Truthfully, they are. Back to the sheep videos I love. Um, if you, have you seen the one where the shepherd goes and the sheep is halfway stuck in the crack in the rock? The sheep has dove into this crack. You've seen this, yes. The sheep is deep in there, right? And the only way is through the power of a strong shepherd to grab it by its hind legs and yank it out of the hole, right? And it's this wonderful redemption moment, right? Oh, how, how lovely. The shepherd has saved his sheep. The sheep walks over, right? Looks at him for a sec, kind of, and then starts to hop and hop and hop, and then just dives right back in the same crack, five feet ahead of where he was. There's an even better one that I found the other day while looking for that one. That was like a legit ditch. It was like 10 feet down in the water. Like that sheep's going to drown. And I watch that video and I think, what a dumb sheep. And then I wake up the next day and I dive into the crack that I was in yesterday. <laughs> and I dive in and I dive in and I dive in and Jesus yanks me out and he yanks me out and he yanks me out and he puts me on the side and I shake my little tail and I say, ha ha, that was so fun. And then I dive right back in. <laughs> this is not to shame you. It's to, it's to, I'm telling a story that invites you in. Can you tell? I'm like, hey, how funny are these sheep? And it's like, you're the sheep, right? <laughs> See, the truth is, there's no amount of leadership that will make you not a sheep anymore. You're still always going to be a sheep. So the, the, the work of life is to say, okay, how do I do that well? If I'm stuck in this sheepy body of mine, with the wool and the dumbness and the jumping into cracks, is there a way to live like a faithful sheep life? <laughs> is there a way to move forward in, in a way that is... is, is towards like goodness and flourishing and, and all those sorts of things? And, and the answer is, is yes, there is. And the answer is not for you to become the shepherd, but rather to submit to one that is really, really good. 
like a, like a gift of a shepherd, like a, a loving shepherd who knows where the crack is and still is going to let you have some freedom to maybe jump in again. And then when you inevitably do, guess what he's going to do? He's going to come right back over and pull you out, not because it's just his job, but it's because he loves you. Ezekiel 34 gives us a pre-image of who will be this good shepherd. It paints this beautiful picture. God, God says, I won't read the whole text for you, but you can go back and read it for yourself. Ezekiel 34, he says, Woe to the shepherds of Israel who are slaughtering my sheep and letting them die or letting them scatter. He's not paying attention to them. Woe to these shepherds, but I'm going to fix it. I will no longer appoint someone over them, but I will come and do it. God says that he will come and be to them a shepherd. He will come and lead them to pastures where they can eat and streams where they can drink. He will come and bind up their wounds. He will shepherd with justice and kindness and love for these people. And it goes on in the text and it says, he says, I will set over them one, uh, a Messiah figure, a David. And back in the time of Ezekiel, everyone's like, what the heck is that? Like, what, what are we even talking about? You just said you would do it, God. And now you're saying someone else is going to do it. And then in the goodness and the glory of Jesus in John chapter 10, we get the culmination of the picture in Ezekiel 34 that comes forward in time to the Messiah that is Jesus, the one in the line of David. And this is what it says of Jesus. Listen to these words. Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he has a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. But I am the good shepherd, and I know my sheep, and my sheep know me. Just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen, and I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice, and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. The reason my Father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I received from my father. The Jews who heard these words were again divided. Friends, we have a shepherd problem. And the good news of the gospel is that it's it's made okay in Jesus. I want you to hear the love of God in the words that Jesus says about himself. While the shepherds in Ezekiel's time were laying down the lives of their sheep for their own well-being, literally feasting on them to keep themselves alive. Jesus spared nothing that you might have life. I 
my son Gus is only four months old, <clears throat> and he doesn't know things yet. <laughs> right? Like, he's four months old. And so we spend our time constantly caring for him. Right? That's like all we do. is <laughs> He's constantly needy. He just needs things, like all the time. Um, he needs to eat, which seems like all the time. Can I have an amen from the moms in here? Right? It's constant how much he eats. It's like if you ask my wife at any given time during the day, 99% of the time, she says, what? Feeding Gus, because this is crazy. Right? He poops on himself constantly and pees. We have to clean all that up. Right? He just gets fussy, like needs, needs attention in some way. Right? And Gus is such a gift to us. Like our kids are the greatest joy that we have had in this life yet. They are, do you know that feeling when you just look at, it, at your kid and you're just like, oh my gosh, like how? How's that even possible? How are you what you are? And how do you hold my heart in your tiny little hands so tight? But in order to express love to Gus, I, I, am, I am a very confident and like capable human being. Do I look like that to you? Yes, I sometimes. You're like, you didn't tuck your shirt in. Okay, fair enough. But I can communicate with big words. I went to school for it. I can say things and string sentences together that can, can move you. I can tell you a story. And I've already had you saying some things like, oh, yes, yes, that's true. That's right. I, like, I am, I am like, I'm, I'm a pretty, uh, uh, I, I'm good at stuff. But Gus doesn't know any of that. He doesn't care. He's not like, wow, dad, eloquent intro to your sermon. <laughs> he doesn't know any of those things. And what I could say is, you know what, Gus, you need to get on my level in order to appreciate me as a really awesome dad and human and preacher, right? But I don't say that. Why don't I say that? Because I love Gus so much. And my love for this boy compels me to condescend all of the frill that I, that I put on display up here to, to impress, whatever. And he lowers me to a level that says he is the one in the driver's seat demanding how he's cared for. He doesn't poop his diaper and I preach a sermon at him. And I'm like, well, if my skills aren't good enough for you, then so what? No, he draws me in and what could happen is my higher level of human could separate me from him unless I, am a, I, I feel in my heart to condescend to his level and care for him as he needs to be cared for. The scriptures are full of stories, full of pictures, full of words that never do God justice. He is as high and as wonderful as you could ever imagine. He's more beautiful and lovely than you can ever dream. He's more good and just and pure than you could ever comprehend. He is so high and above us in terms of his kind of being that we could never build anything to get anywhere near touching him. He is too good. But his love compels him not to go up even further, but to come down. His love for you 
Not for your perfect behavior, not for moral things, not for following the law. For you. You are his treasure. God loves you so much. He loves you more than you could ever fathom. And he is willing. He is willing and able to show up again and again and again in stories and tell you this. Pastor John, God loves you. Here's how you know. Because he is like a good shepherd who when the wolf came to eat you alive, laid his own life down in your place. He is like a father who even though his son took half of his inheritance and spent it all in a foreign land, when you come home, he welcomes you with a hug and embrace because he loves you. What a gift it is to have a God like this. Every other God in the whole world implores you through all of its rules and all of its rituals to come up and up and up and to try to transcend this world, to reach him and our God comes plummeting to earth in the form of a man. Can you imagine how condescending that is? The women in this room are like, I can tell. Yeah, yeah, That's as low as it gets. Becoming a dude. But Christ saw it fit to put on flesh and to endure life, living it perfectly, but dying as if he had done everything wrong in your place. He loves you. If you think Christianity is particularly uh, made up of, of rules and statutes that are trying to make you just a better person, you, could, you have it so wrong. The point of any of that is that you might have relationship with a loving God. He adores you. He has, he has spared no expense. There could be no cost that he wouldn't pay. There is no gap that he wouldn't jump. He has shown up over and over and over again to be your good shepherd. To invite you into the family of God that you might not only know Christ, but know the Father. To have the deep sense of affirmation that can only come from a father's blessing of a child that says, I love you and I'm glad you are with me. That's how he feels about you. That's what he, he longs for you to know, is that you can be as close as the air you breathe to the living God. And as he brings you into that, he not only brings you into that, he brings you into a community. And reminds you that what we were made for was relationship with the living God and with brothers and sisters. Did you know the only thing that's not good in the garden in the midst of creation is that Adam was alone? To think that you would not need people along with needing the love and the presence of the living God is crazy. Because Adam needed it and everything was great back then. <laughs> of course you need people in your life with a spiritual authority and a kindness to draw you in and allow you to feel the comfort and the grace and the love of the body of Christ. We make up the body of Christ. So he draws you near. He woos you. It's like a love story. He's constantly trying to show you the great affection with which he moved into this world and the way in which he rescues you and redeems you and is making you brand new. Friends, the good shepherd is Christ. And it's left to us to be two things. First, we're sheep. 
Here's what that means. Actually, let me tell you a story. I was trying to shop for some toilet paper. It's an important decision. <laughs> a lot of commercials out there try to convince you that theirs is the best. But the good news is, you can review toilet paper online based on all the other people who have been on the same journey. And they're trying to figure it out. And so, yeah, I've read a few reviews on toilet paper to see, you know, sue me, right? Like, sorry, sorry about it. Here's what's true. Somehow, we are okay with looking for shepherds in relation to toilet paper and everything else in life and yet, when it comes to the big questions like, where did we come from? What went wrong? What can make things right? And where is this world headed? We act as though we can answer those on our own. How silly. <laughs> I need help buying literally anything online. I'm like, did it get four stars? No? Then I want to know. Do I go to the best reviews? Of course not. Where do I go? The worst reviews. Who gave that a one star? What happened? I'm not going to be that person, not if the reviews are there. I look high and low for advice, for shepherding, for, because, because I know I'm limited. I know that I, I can't do everything. I don't know everything, and I need help in all of these categories. Friends, Christians ought to be the best sheep in the whole world. Everyone's a sheep. But there's a bunch of dumb ones, right? We already talked about that. Uh, Christians should embrace our sheepiness, right? We should embrace our limits. We should embrace the humility that comes with being a human, right? We should embrace the idea that we do not know everything, we cannot do everything, and almost always we will need help with stuff. And our world is raging against this. It's depersoning everything around us to tell us, oh, you don't really need people, you know, you don't, you don't really need help getting dinner, just Uber Eats it. Well, who do you think drove the car? And who do you think made the food? And, you know, well, at least I don't have to see all that, right? At least it can be like, you know, a section removed. We think money can solve all these problems for us. Like, we're, we're not going to have to be connected to people anymore. Or that we're not going to have to be connected to people giving us wisdom and insight, like the elderly generation that we desperately need to continue to value in our world, rather than acting like they just, they just don't know what's going on. Friends, you can be a good sheep, and live with a lot of confidence in this world. You can submit yourself to the leadership and the authority of other people. And here's what's cool about Christianity. You can do it to people who are older or younger than you. Christians show up to everyone and say, I think I can learn something. You know who's teaching me the most right now? Would you, would you be able to guess? My two kids. Yeah, Jack is two in a little bit. He's teaching me a lot, including the whole dinosaur on my laptop bit of like, hey, dad, uh, presence matters, right? He could write a book, right? Like, it's not, he wouldn't write it. I would interpret it for him. But he could, he is doing things that are more human than I'm being human. Like, he's showing up and saying, hey, dad, you know what matters? Family time right now. And you keep acting like it doesn't, right? They're teaching me so much about what it means to be a faithful sheep right now because they are so okay being dependent. And if I had to guess, there's probably a, a strong hitch in you that says, I don't want to have to be dependent because I've been hurt, because I've, I've trusted someone so fully and then they've left me alone, because I've loved someone with my whole heart 
and they told me I was unlovable. Right? Dependency is risk. Dependency is vulnerability. Dependency is reaching out and not totally knowing what you're going to get. But the Christian life is full of that kind of sheepy behavior that says, yes, we submit ourselves to the body of Christ. We submit ourselves to other people as leaders in our spiritual authority kind of space. We submit ourselves to a community that is anything but like calm and normal, right? It's dynamic because it's full of life and it's full of people, but we give ourselves to it anyways. Why? Because we think life and life to the full happens in community with God and other people. Life and life to the full shows up when I'm able to say, hey, here's where I stop and I can't do anymore and where I need someone to step in and love and serve me in a time of difficulty. Be good sheep. Show up with your needs. It's okay to be needy. It's actually quite good to be needy. And then lastly, this. We have to keep leading as sheep. (laughs) We, we actually still have to show up and lead well. And so I beg you, lead without being brutal or objectifying and lead by showing up and being present. Is it going to be messy? Absolutely. Is it going to be hard? 100%. Are you going to want to be selfish all the time? Of course you are. But the gift of the gospel is Christ has come before us and has been the shepherd that we needed. And so not only does the power of the gospel transform our hearts that we might be more self-giving, but the pattern of the gospel shows us how to lead well. And how is it that we lead well in the way of Jesus? Laying down our lives for the sheep. Let's pray. We hope you enjoyed today's message. If it was a blessing to you, please consider visiting our website, outpouringorlando.com, to connect with us and to also give financial support. If you are ever in the Orlando area, we would love to serve and worship with you. Have a wonderful week.